keep your heart open. You know, how do you live every day with an open heart so that people can approach you and you can approach more people? That's where the action is, is in people, not in junk and all this other kind of stuff. I mean, that's the real spice. Welcome to Star of the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Today, my guest is, it really doesn't need an introduction. It's Mr. Matthew Lesko. <laughs> How are you, sir? Oh, fine, fine. Easily. Easily do what? Easily like Sunday morning? <laughs> I, I don't know. Man. I've been called a lot of things. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> well, I am Likewise. thrilled to see you here. We're here at FinCon yeah. in your hometown yeah, of Washington, D.C. up the road there. Yeah. You do. Yeah, you yeah. literally walk. Home. Absolutely. I ran by this morning every day. I I run to Abe Lincoln and back. Yeah. You run to Abe Lincoln and back. Now, uh, how long have you been in the D.C. area? After Vietnam, as uh, early 70s, came here and got a MBA on government money. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. And I didn't realize I that. I taught computer science, computer science professor here in town. And actually, I was teaching at one college, a course I was taking at another college, and I just kept my students a week behind. So, <laughs> so anything new like that, if you're a week ahead of people, you're an expert. You're already an expert. <laughs> you don't need a PhD. So at some point, you broke away and you decided, hey, all this stuff I'm learning is great. All this stuff I'm doing to help big businesses is great. But I want to uh, maybe do something a little bit different. I'm curious, uh, what was the transition like for you? And, and tell us a little bit about that story. Well, the story is really a failure story. You know? Interesting. And, and I think and that's aren't the most, most important. Pardon me? <laughs> and aren't most. Right, exactly. Right. And, that's and that you're growing up and going to school and, and you're trying to learn how to be successful. Okay, Everybody, do these five things and you'll be successful. Oh, here, just give me money and you'll be successful. Do this. And everybody's telling you what to be successful. And they really don't know. <laughs> right. And, mm. and so when you're young, you don't know your options. You, know, you don't know anything. So you believe other people that sound like they know. And so you tried them. And I had two businesses. I had a software company that failed back in the 70s. Another company that failed, an information business. I always wanted a business, man. I didn't care what kind of was. But then after I had two failures and I did it like everybody told me, you know, I got an MBA, man. I got to hire the attorneys, the accountants, the power furniture and the power business cards, all this kind of stuff. And when I went on a business, who won? The guy I bought the furniture from, <laughs> the attorneys. The, and I was SOL. So the third time I started a business, I said, hey, I found out it doesn't matter if you fail. Nobody really cares. Mm. I used to think people cared and I'd have a big F on my forehead or something. Nobody cares. <laughs> They're all involved in their own life. You know? <laughs> I was going to ask, what's that on your forehead? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> exactly. And so they, I said, well, this time I'm going to have fun. Right. Because the worst that can happen is I fail again. I've done that twice and it doesn't matter. What did your wife think when you were like, okay, we've got this uh, uh, two experiences that didn't quite turn out the way yeah. we hoped and I've got this great idea. Yeah. <laughs> no, your Was loved ones are your worst enemy. Oh, interesting. Because they don't want you to fail. Yeah. They want to protect you. That's true. And they can't. And you're not going to grow. To me, it's like telling a child. You have kids? I do. Okay. When that kid starts to walk, and he, my kid will crawl in the living room and pick himself up on the coffee table and then turn around, take a step and fall on his ass. Okay. So yeah. now if you say, hey, don't do that, you're going to fail. Mm, <laughs> right? You're holding him back. Exactly. You, then you'd be doing him in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Correct. So right. your loved ones, that's what their instinct is. And they don't realize that you have to fail. And so they want to protect you. And 
and you just have to ignore it. And this is what, that's right. To me, love, as I got older, I think about love a lot too. And love is helping somebody else do whatever they want to do. Because you and I don't know what the hell to do in life. We're guessing every day. So what gives somebody else the audacity to tell you what to do in life? They don't know what to do in their own life. <laughs> <laughs> well, at this point, you said, I, I have an idea. Let's, let's do this. So yeah. what was that? Well, I had an MBA in computers. I was going to design, and it was stupid. And I finally realized I was designing an external management information system for corporations. Mm-hmm. This is when computers first started. Right. And so they were getting all the information from computers in, internally. But also in our environment then, back in the early 70s, was the first time you had to worry about what's going on outside your business. See, back then, nobody cared about anything but was inside the business. Yeah. And then with the oil embargo, you know, back in the 70s, you're not right. old enough to remember. <laughs> Actually, I'm a child of the 70s. All right. so, yeah. so, I mean, that's a, this little country nobody knew of brought us to our knees. Yeah. So that was where corporations really had to start worrying what's going on outside the business could affect them more than what's going on inside of it. So I started a external management information system. I'd monitor world events, marketing, competition, technology for their field. This was pre-internet. Yes. So this is so that all, must have been uh, quite the task. It was. But nobody else was doing it. So whatever I had was great. <laughs> it was good enough. <laughs> right. So there and was that's nothing. true. I mean, I used to walk home at that age, you know, here in Washington. I can't think of a good idea. I can't think of a good idea. You don't need a good idea. Most ideas are mediocre. Look at all the shit we buy. It's all mediocre stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's good enough. Now, you created this, uh, and then at some point, you broke away and realized, hey, I, w- I want to help people who are trying to figure things out. At what moment did you realize, hey, that's the direction I want to go in? Uh, When I would go to people like Procter & Gamble and talk to 100 people in Procter & Gamble and throw a show and nobody would laugh. (laughs) Hard to believe because you're you're a pretty uh, humorous guy. That's what I mean, right? I I love entertaining people. And they were afraid to. You know, they're afraid to show any emotion. So it wasn't until a week later that I found out I did a good job and they come secretly, you know. <laughs> oh, they actually liked of, it, yeah. Right, yeah. And I said, ah, oh, man, they're, rich people are boring to work for. All they think about is money and impressing somebody or whatever. Yeah. You know, so that's why instead of $10,000, I want to be the $20 guy <laughs> and solve people's problems that only have $20. That's more rewarding. They don't have an option. $10,000 guy, he, he'll pay $20,000. He do not give a shit right. as long as he gets the answer. Yeah. Okay. So you decided, all right, I'm going to make this transition. And uh, what year was this? Again, the mid-70s. Mid-70s. Yeah. Early in the eight, late in the 70s, because that business went from me, a phone, and a desk, and it grew to about 30 people. I was down on K Street and had this big consulting firm down there. And, and I hated all these people working. <laughs> For me, I felt like a referee. You know, <laughs> somebody wants the window open, somebody wants to close. You know, and so you're the boss. You have to be. I don't want to make decisions like that. <laughs> All right. So you said I'm going to make a leap. I'm going to go in this direction. Doesn't sound like well, you had everything I, quite I, mapped out. No, you don't. Nobody does. It's just it's sort of like a bad date or something or a relationship. <laughs> you don't have to know where you're going. You just have to know where you shouldn't be. Fair enough. Yeah, and you just take a step away. And that, then that builds something. 
Okay, so the first time I became familiar with WeWork was through infomercials. Yeah. So how do we get from, um, you know, working with these big companies yeah. to saying, okay, now I want to work more for people that are in yeah. need. And then now you're doing infomercials. Like, what was that transition uh, like? And how did we get to that point? An agent. I, was, I used to do a lot of media uh-huh. for my professional business. Because I found if I, if I got somebody to write me up was better than like, I'd put one inch ads in the Wall Street Journal. Nothing would happen. Right. Got the Wall Street Journal write me up. You know, hey, I got all the business I needed. Yeah, cool. <laughs> so I was always using media like that. And then some agent, a literary agent saw me, said, hey, you could do a book. Well, I flunked English in college, so me to do a book, man, <laughs> that sounded great. <laughs> and he sold so the idea. So you were approached to do a book. Yeah. Okay. And he sold the idea, and I got a bunch of money for it. And my first book, I plagiarized the whole thing. <laughs> See, nothing in the government is copyrighted. I went down to the government printing office and their book called The Catalog of Federal Domestic Assistance. I really just cut and pasted that, sent it to New York. They edited it for six months. I don't know why. The government just spent $10 billion on the book. Yeah. Right, right, right. And uh, came out eh, crazy on TV, became a New York Times bestseller, and I didn't write a lick. Wow. Uh-huh. Wow. So I saw selling books. It was media-driven. So, And I saw media... They don't care what you say. It's how you say it. Mm-hmm. So I used to be, oh, you know, they're going to say, oh, let's go on page 17. They don't read the books. They don't give a shit. You know? <laughs> when you hit the New York Times bestseller list, was that, were you proud? Oh, man. I called everybody. I called my English teacher who flunked me. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that time? <laughs> I told you it didn't matter. <laughs> oh, yeah. You get your Rolodex out. And that's when I started realizing, God, you know, that's why I see that goals are a trap. Interesting. Because once you get the goal, then what do you do? You know, that's uh, that's kind of contrarian in a sense because uh, there's a number of people would say, well, you know, what's your goal and you need to work toward this goal. Uh, uh, but I, I see the other side of what you're saying. Yeah. Because, because what happens if you hit goal, it? Yeah. When you hit it, then what do you. Also, I find goals are bad because we're smart. So if we're working a goal, we'll sort of. Cut the edges on ethics and all kinds of things to reach our goal. <laughs> Hopefully not, but yeah, I know, there right. might be some who right. would. And, yes. and so there's that kind of thing. I mean, you're going to do things that are just aimed at that goal. I mean, to me, that's a downside of capitalism. You know, capitalism is great, but then the downside is that's all you're worried about. Then, you know, <laughs> there's other things in life. But to me, more in goals that life is every day what you're doing, not what you're doing five years from now. When you reach that goal, what are you doing every day and how are you doing it every day? Let's expand on that for a minute because you're not telling people, oh, just be, have an aimless life. No, absolutely not. So what are you saying? Well, what you're working on every day, your time is the most important thing you have all right. in life. Okay. Everybody, all the shit you have in life, somebody could take it or whatever. But your time, you give your time somewhere, you can't get that back. That's why a two-hour lunch to me is a robbery with a boring person. <laughs> That's somebody stealing my car. <laughs> I got to get another car eventually. Yeah. Right. Can't get those two hours. Of so what you're doing every day in life, I mean, that's what interests me about podcasts and things. This is a way to start finding what you should be doing every day. You mm. want to get up. I mean, most people live life like they're on a bad date. Yeah, everything they're doing is like, you know, those dates you go out, you think, oh, God, it must be midnight. Oh, shit, it's only 10 (laughs) o'clock. You know, and and (laughs) most of it, we live our daily lives like that. 
And then those dates that, oh my God, I think it's midnight and it's three o'clock in the morning. Where did it go? You know, why isn't our life, our work life like that? That's what it should be. We have two things to give in life, personal love to somebody and things like that. And in that, you want to give as much as you can. The key is how much can you give? And then your professional life. What do you have professionally to give the rest of us? Well, you should give that as hard as you can. Too. If someone came to you and said, Matthew, I feel stuck, what would you say to that? Well, it depends on where you are in life, what your options are. You have to start making steps away. If it's part-time, full-time, or whatever. My son said that once. He came to tell me. He tried to got a bachelor's degree in poli-sci, came to town, tried to get a job on the Hill, couldn't start working for some PR firm here and read about Obama or something. He said, that was so exciting. You want to go? And this is before he even started campaigning. Want to go and volunteer on that? And because he really didn't like his job, he was delivering coffee or something. I said, do it. I said, that's where I find it. Your heart is smarter than your brain. Mm. You know, we all want to use our brain to make this start to say no, because the important decisions like your love life or something, your career should be there. Your heart has to be in it because life is terrible. <laughs> it's hard as hell. It can be. Yep. Yeah. And if that, if you don't have the heart in it to get over that, you know, to, and to get through it and to do something that you feel is important. If you don't feel important, then it's hard to get up. It is. What's something else? You, you mentioned the two failures back earlier, but yeah. even after you had success with the New York Times and you're starting to actually see the momentum uh, with the, yeah. the books and the infomercials and the different things that were going on, has there been a time since then where you've hit a wall and you're like, okay, this isn't working anymore. Now I oh, got to adjust. Let's, let's talk about that for a minute. What are some well, adjustments you've had to make is, since, since I mean, the last, you found your new path yeah, or the path right, that you've exactly. been on the last so 20 about, years? Yeah, right. So maybe about the last 10, 12 years, I saw that people aren't going to buy reference books anymore. I mean, I, I'm a computer nerd from the 70s. So as soon as AOL came online, I, hey, you know, this, is, right. this, is, this is it. And uh, I was always looking at that and then I couldn't sell anymore. You know? But that was great because now at 76, I want to keep doing something I feel is important. So it's really starting. The problem is when you're older and have some success, that's a handicap. I'd mm. rather be 25 and looking at the world today because I'm not carrying around some success that I'm trying to make work again. Ah, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. A young person, all they see is opportunities. Where the opportunities are. I got to look that. Where are the opportunities? That's why I'm here. I'm looking for opportunities. I can't, you know, and, and because I got all this shit that works so well at one time and, and your instinct is, it's sort of like having a bad fast swing if you play golf. You, know? <laughs> you pick up the club and all, all of a sudden it goes back. <laughs> no matter how, you don't want to do that. And so that's why they have an edge. I'd rather hang around a 25-year-old than a 55-year-old or 65-year-old. because that, Our life is changing so quickly. And I got 20 more years to do this. It's real easy to feel like, hey, I, I might be out of second chances. It is, but I, I don't, I've reinvented myself many times. I think that's the best thing that happened to me was when I had my first successful business after everything failed and really wanted it and then gave it all away and started all over again. That made me stronger than anything. So you got to build up resilience and you got to work for something bigger than you. And the, the most important decisions I've ever made in life were those that hurt me personally or financially, but I felt was the right thing to do. Can you give me an example? Yeah, that was giving away a million dollar business. <laughs> really? Yeah. You uh, gave it away? Yeah. 
I'd like to hear more about that. If you're, if you're, <laughs> you want to know if I give it another? If way you're way? allowed to share, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that the, sounds like a big deal. Yeah, and then other things that there's a publisher didn't be, treat me right, and I just said keep your goddamn money. I just mm. don't want to be treated that way. So yeah, it's a situation where you didn't feel as right anymore. Right. Or when I started wearing a question mark suit, I gave away millions of dollars. Really? Yeah. They at home shopping, I was really making a million dollars on there. Yeah. Because like that's kind of your call trading. But yeah, at you're, the beginning, you're calling card now, like, and they said, "No, you can't wear that. You can't wear suits with question marks." Yeah. Why in the world would they care? Exactly, especially at home shopping. You know, they think they're Neiman Marcus or something, and they're just <laughs> people in trailers buying stuff. Oh, no, that's a story I didn't know. That's yeah. interesting, and oh. that that was very interesting to me. But they're the things that make us strong in life, right? Yeah, you know, because then it—that's right—it's building up resilience, and there's no encouragement. So you ask my your friends or advisors and no, don't be doing that's stupid. Yeah. And you don't want to do things stupid, but you do because what is stupid their ethics in your heart is more important. People still come to you. They come to you for help. They come to you yeah. to try to figure out how to come up with the resources they don't have. Right. Yeah, that's why I feel that's why I could keep doing this for another 20 years. So I know so much stuff that everybody else doesn't know. No one studied this as much as I have. It's yeah. real easy to buy into this thought of, well, I can't do this because I don't have I don't have access to the resources I would need to even get this going. Uh, you mean uh, a business or something? Maybe it's a business. Maybe it's, uh, yeah, well, yeah, let's start there. If, if somebody's well, yeah. thinking, I want to start a business, yeah. but I don't have the resources. Well, you have to think differently. You know, that's what that's to me what's nice about the question mark suit. I don't fit in, so it helps me think, keep thinking differently. If you're doing everything, there's no opportunity in doing everything everybody else is doing. Right. That's not an opportunity. <laughs> and so if you're going to all the lectures, everybody's saying the same thing, where's the opportunity? It's having a fresh, I mean, look at, you know, the iPhone. What the hell? We had phones for a hundred years, we had cameras for a thousand years or whatever. Somebody put them together. Yeah, that's not different. Who knew? That's I, right, exactly, yeah. So it's how do you see, how can you contribute to society, yeah? Right. And that's what I mean about how can you give the best you have to the rest of us? Mm. Because if you're doing that every day, then you're improving society more than getting elected for something, right? <laughs> because you show by example then, too. When you and I chatted last night on the, the bus, because uh, you and I ran into each other at the party last night yeah. at FinCon, we talked about one of the things that you're doing now is, is you're helping people through a Facebook group. Can you talk a little bit about your Facebook group? Yes. I mean, that, and that's really rewarding to me because I'm able to help one-on-one. -on -one. Before it was mass markets, and I talked to millions of people on Larry King or Oprah or something like that. And they'd buy a book, and you know, maybe I'd get some feedback or whatever. But, but here it is. It's almost like making love. You know, I mean, making love virtually isn't the same as making love real. <laughs> it isn't? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's a joke in there somewhere. You know that. <laughs> so that's what it really, the one-on-one listening, and that's what we're here to help other people. Right. You know, and so you, you have to be close to the other person. You know, they don't have the words to even say it, but if, if you know your business well enough, you intuitively feel it. You know, like tomorrow I want to give a, going to give a talk. I'm not sure I'm going to say. I'm here today trying to get the vibe of, of what people are interested in so that it'll come out somehow. Maybe that's just because I'm old. 
you know, that, that, that I feel more. And this is the heart. The older I get, I feel your heart is more important than even asking the right question. Well, I don't think that's the wrong message to share. Yeah. I, I think that's a good word. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't have it much now in our society that's going robots and everybody wants to be professional. So you have a Facebook group and you're able to kind of pour yourself into that. Yeah. And, and um, yeah. how do people find out about that group? Uh, it's called Let's Go Help. It's a group on on Facebook. So, but actually, I also have a YouTube channel. Maybe that's the easiest way. Matthew yeah. Lesko. And I got like 3,000 videos there. You, know? you do. You have a yeah. lot of content. Yeah. Content has not been your problem. No. <laughs> nah, I've written 100 books and only 10 made money. So I, I only always. Only 10, really? Yeah. Huh. So I'm wrong 90% of the time. <laughs> I have data to prove that. <laughs> so my wife throws that in front of me all the time. <laughs> hey, sometimes it only takes 10%. <laughs> exactly. So it, it is. Yeah. So that's why I think life is experimenting. You're like a scientist in the lab. You don't know what works. You're trying anything and most of it won't work. Right. You know, 90% work won't. But if you don't do a hundred and some things, then you don't get a chance of winning at all. That's true. You can't wait for the right idea. You just have to take the mediocre one you got, run with that because that will lead you to something else. It's sort of like artwork. Matthew, I got a couple questions I want to close out with. Uh, I don't. Want, I appreciate the time. The first one is, what's something or someone? What's something that's interesting to you, or wh who is someone that's doing something that interests you? One or the other. Read a book now. I watched the guy. The uh, Smithsonian had a book fair at the convention center this past weekend. And he has a book called Tribe Human. Oh, no, Team Human. Team Human. Yeah. And very fascinating. What's it's it about? A, well. Without giving away the farm. Yeah, no, I mean, no, it's fine. It, it's really about how we're missing the human part of us. And all this other technology is making us more remote kind of thing. It's sort of, you know, when I talked about being nice, not being professional, Everyone's going to be professional, and that's like a robot. You know, nobody likes talking to robots. So we're trying to make everybody on customer service like a robot. You know, and then, uh, I don't know what you call Comcast, and, you know, you can't wait to get off the phone with these people. They're all saying the right words, but you don't feel like it's human. And the more human, the more, like here, having an hour conversation, whatever, a half hour, whatever. You know, I, when I was making a lot of money, I, could, I only had 60 minutes, 60 seconds, I mean. When I used to do a book for a year, I used to spend a month figuring out what I was going to say for 10 minutes, five minutes, three minutes, and one minute. There were the segments I would get. A half hour or more than 10 minutes didn't matter because the stuff would come out. But I would like to do the Today Show, you get a minute and a half or something like that. No matter what they asked me, I would pull the five things I'm going to get out no matter what they say to me. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think that's the best thing to sell the book. Yeah. I mean, they would say, well, let's go. Uh, isn't it hard to write a grant? And I just said, yes, but did you know you get a house for a dollar? <laughs> <I've had, laughs> well, people hear that part. Right, exactly. <laughs> if you say yes to anything, it goes away. <laughs> let's go. You're an asshole. Yes, but did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you can get a house for a grant for a dollar. <laughs> so, <laughs> did I so, mention that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's where it's, it's all about where the movement's going. There's interesting things like on Bitcoin. I always thought that that was crazy stuff. But now, if you're a nonprofit, you should know Bitcoin today. Because, Why is that? Because Bitcoin is a way to tap into a lot of money that nobody else is tapping into. All these Bitcoin millionaires 
you know, are usually young, hip people. They're not the same people that nonprofits go to. The nonprofits normally go to these old fat cats and foundations and stuff. These people, and they could give you money in Bitcoin and it's tax free. They pay no <laughs> uh, you know, capital gains on it or anything. And all you have to do as a nonprofit is open a wallet. So they give you the Bitcoins within 10 seconds. You got that in cash, whatever. So now you have access to all these funds that nobody is going after, particularly wow. a nonprofit. So there's these kinds of things that are happening right now. To me, an exciting thing is housing. I, mean, I don't know where you live, Orlando. I live in uh, Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Well, we all have a housing problem. We have <laughs> here. You probably do down there. Now they just changed the laws here. You could put a little home in your backyard. You know, so you get more than one units on your backyard, and you can build a home for fifty grand and rent it out on Airbnb and clear eight hundred bucks a month. You know, and in big cities and big markets, we're hurting for housing. See all these new kinds of things that are happening all the time. Right. And sure, if you wait, then you know people usually wait. And the other thing I think the main thing in my life right now is Google. This is what's stopping people from doing anything in life, I feel. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's very important. I'm a database guy. I design databases and coded databases and everything. Very important. But you have to know. Like, if you know Matthew Lesko, then Google is good because you find Matthew Lesko. If you need money to say you're in debt and want to solve debt problems, you're going to go Google and get literally 50 million websites of people going to sell you that. They're mostly here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there might be one or two. <laughs> As opposed to the people doing that for free, Google doesn't show you because they're not making money from them. See, these people will pay for your click. Well, obviously, the question would be, where where do you go if you don't go to Google? Well, it's funny you would ask. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what I'm trying to educate people about. Right. That. And that's so people then, I want to start a business or something, and, and they go on consulting and now the government has free consulting to help you start a business. You don't even know how to spell entrepreneur. There's thousands around the country that get grants to help you start a business for free, but they don't advertise. They don't know where it's at. Right. I think uh, someone who's going to listen to this is going to see, uh, they're going to say, I'd really like to reach out to Matthew Lesko. How, how could they reach out to you? Uh, I guess Lesko Free Radio at Gmail is probably the best email I have. Okay, Lesko Let's Free Radio, Radio at, at Gmail. Gmail okay, we'll put that in the notes. Right. Yeah, that's fine. And then if nobody, if I don't answer in two days, beat on me. I'm an old fart. That's what I tell me. <laughs> Just yell at me, man. <laughs> uh, the final question is, uh, we love final thoughts. Do you have uh, any final thoughts? Final Being thoughts. a man who's short on words. Right? Yeah. Gosh, final thought is, it's keep your heart open. You know, how do you live every day with an open heart so that people can approach you and you can approach more people? That's where the action is, is in people, not in junk and all this other kind of stuff. I mean, that's the real spice right. of life. Well, Matthew, I am grateful for your time. And uh, it's a true honor. I've uh, learned a lot from you personally. And to be able to sit down and chat for a little bit is just <laughs> well, a real treat. my pleasure. You can see it's hard to shut me up. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope that never ends. Thank you so much. My pleasure. 